This episode of Let's Talk is brought to you in part by International Justice Mission. IJM is a global nonprofit working to end slavery and violence around the world. Across Southern Asia, IJM works to rescue people out of slavery and trafficking. In Latin America, they help children and women who have survived all kinds of violence and abuse. In short, IJM is a community of Christ followers fighting for the freedom and protection of the most vulnerable in our world. Over the last two decades, more than 50,000 individuals have been set free thanks to people like you who sent IJM to rescue them. But there are thousands of more, children, men, and women who are still waiting for rescue. You can make a difference in their lives by becoming a Freedom Partner. Visit IJM.org slash Let's Talk to join today. Your consistent support will impact the lives of individuals all over the world. Welcome to the first episode of Let's Talk, a new podcast for women from the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network. My name is Jackie Hill Perry, and we are here for the next 10 or so weeks talking about how we can apply biblical wisdom to everyday life. On each episode, we'll discuss topics like fighting your sin and mine, overcoming church hurt, making decisions and being just godly people on Twitter and all that other stuff. Uh, today, we're going to talk about sharing our faith. But first, I want to introduce my friends, Melissa Kruger and Jasmine Holmes. Matter of fact, I'll let them introduce themselves. Hey, Melissa, tell us about you. Thanks, Jackie. No um, problem. My name is Melissa Kruger. Um, I have three children who are one is in college, which makes me feel crazy. I still feel like she should be a toddler. My husband, Mike, is a professor of New Testament, and we live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I work for the Gospel Coalition as the director of Women's Initiatives. Fancy. And um, I have a few books out. So that's me. What's your book called? Well, I have a new book coming out, and it's called Growing Together, Taking Mentoring Beyond Small Talk and Prayer Requests. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm Jasmine Holmes. Uh, I am a blogger, writer, and I teach middle school humanities at a classical school. Um, I live in Jackson, Mississippi with my husband, Philip, and my two sons, Wynn and Langston. And my book came out in March, and um, it's called Mother to Son. I can't wait to read that. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Is this your first book? It is my second book, but we don't talk about the first book. (laughs) (laughs) Now I really want to know about the first book. I was 19 when I wrote it. And that I think that, that says it all. You're like a book veteran. No, <laughs> it happened. Okay. Uh, and I write and speak and do other stuff. Uh, and I have a husband, and we live in Atlanta, and we have two kids that are very loud and expensive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who I want to steal because I think Feel they're free. so cute. You Both of y'all's kids. Drop them off when they're in, uh, a senior. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pay for the promise. <laughs> All right. So, you know, today we're talking about sharing our faith, sharing the gospel, evangelism, witnessing, all those kinds of words. Uh, But before we do, uh, let's let's share our own stories. Like, how was it that you came to faith and was it initiated or brought about by someone preaching the gospel to you? Yeah, I'm thankful. I was raised in the church, but I think I had kind of a misguided notion somewhere along the way that you were just born a Christian. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't something you became. I was just born into a Christian family. We went to church every week and that was that. 
And, but it was in high school that I was involved in a ministry called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And there was a teacher at the high school and she had chosen to go into education, you know, to be paid by the public school system mm. so that she could come in and share the gospel with kids. Mm. And it was there that I first heard, oh, I need to make a decision mm. to come to Christ yeah. and actually believe and have faith and repent. Yeah. I kind of was just Did like, she use that word? Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I think I went forward like multiple times in the altar calls because <laughs> I grew up in a tradition that did not do altar calls. Mm -hmm. And so the first time I saw one, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to go forward. Mm. Uh, and, I, and then just in case it didn't take, I kept going forward. <laughs> but, you know, it was when I look back on her and the impact she had, she was just doing her job, mm. but she chose to do it in such a way that she was constantly sharing her faith. Mm, that's and awesome. it's, it's what made me want to be a teacher. Mm. So I was like, how great. Yeah. I'm being paid to be a missionary yeah. to these kids. Yeah. And it's so different to be on campus with them. And so I would love it. They'd all hang out in my classroom. I did the same thing. She taught me how to do it. That was beautiful. But just doing it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Jasmine? Um, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my dad was a preacher <clears throat> or is a preacher still. And I remember going to a summer camp, like back. I don't know if people still do this. Churches go to youth camp over the summer. But like when I was growing up in the 90s, it was a really big thing. Mm -hmm. And so we had just come back from a youth camp and I had heard the gospel preached. I was like six and I was sitting in the back of my parents' um, Chevy, really old. <laughs> what was it? I wish I could remember the type of car, but it was just like little black car sitting in the back of it, looking out the window and I just prayed. Mm -hmm. And so then when we got home, I was like, yeah, I prayed and like I accepted Jesus into my heart. And my mom was like, okay, like that, you know, you want to be cautious with a child, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I was saved then. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I've, I've always wanted to have like another moment mm -hmm. where I could say like, yeah, that was the one, but mm -hmm. it was when I was six. Um, and then when I was 14, I kind of remember feeling like six is really young to be saved. And I feel like I've always kind of been a Christian, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not perfect yet. <laughs> so I had kind of a crisis of faith between like in my teen years where I had to recommit and like reestablish. Um, but initially six. Yeah. That's so encouraging to hear. As a mom, it is. you're thinking, is anything sticking that mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's always encouraging for me to hear, wow, at age six, you made this choice. Did you start cleaning your room more often? <laughs> I, my, unfortunately, mine <laughs> came out in so much guilt over sin, uh -huh. which guilt over sin is not unfortunate, but mine would like go beyond like, okay, like you're forgiven mm. and it's okay. I had a really hard time moving on from the bad things that I did mm. um, because they just tore me up inside. Yeah. That was the biggest fruit. Yeah, I would just I would just confess things. Mm. My mom's like, you don't have to confess that. <laughs> like, okay, just tell God. Like I'd be like, I have thought, and I'm not. And she'd be like, it's it's all right. Like good, the blood that you're aware works. of it. Just pray about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember ever having a like a, di a direct conversation with somebody where they preached the gospel to me. Just because I do think that a lot of Christians might have been intimidated the, about the way I wore my sin. You know, I'm mm -hmm. this lesbian and looks high all the time. Like I just wasn't the kind of person that I think people had. Yeah, I don't know the freedom to preach the gospel to me, but I do think that I, I heard the gospel through just a collection of different situations, like going to church. Uh, my aunt, who was a Christian, she used to like sing the Psalms all the time. I just knew the 
the, I, I knew the basic gist. People sin. Jesus died for sinners so that they could live eternally. Mm-hmm. And so when I was 19, I was in my room and I just felt like God was speaking to my heart and telling me that all of the sins that I was committing will be the death of me, which is the Bible mm-hmm. for the wages of sin equals death. Um, but I also remember John three sixteen because it's at the, on the bottom of a Forever 21 bag. Can't miss it. Um, <laughs> which is that Jesus came so that sinners could live forever because God loved them and stuff. That was the message version that I just gave you. Um, and so from that point I became a Christian. And so I think it's, it speaks to the idea of like, even if you don't have direct mm-hmm. gospel uh, conversations, even people can come to faith through many different ways in which they've heard the gospel mm-hmm. throughout their life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point because sometimes you think it's got to be this perfectly planned out, you know, let me share the, yeah spiritual laws with you yeah. and make sure, but it's good to remember that sometimes it's the little things we've done, done along the way mm-hmm. that actually mm-hmm. share our faith with other people. Yeah. It, it accumulates over time. I think. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, that's so helpful. Like the cumulative effect of sharing the gospel, because I have very few moments where, and maybe I'm unique in that, but I'm sure other people can relate. I've had very few moments where I'm the one who shared the gospel with somebody and then they were like, Oh, and now I'm forever changed. Yeah. Um, it makes me think about the parable of the sower and how we all just play different parts. And I've become more and more comfortable with just playing whatever part God gives me, especially with, like you were saying, my students at school, they're all raised in Christian families. And sometimes it can feel like, oh, should I be somewhere else? Like, should I be teaching mm-hmm. somewhere else where I can share the gospel with people who've never heard it? Um, but just remembering that I'm partnering with their parents and that God can use the teacher at a private school with kids who hear the gospel every day, he can still give me a part mm-hmm. in their conversion. To what you just said, I have a question. Um, do you think that there's a different uh, way you share the gospel with people who have grown up in Christian homes than you would share the gospel with someone who hasn't? Mm-hmm. Like, That's a good question. It yeah. is. Because I live in the South mm-hmm. where a lot of people kind of were like me. I was born Christian Mm -hmm. in their minds, you know, but that doesn't mean there's any spiritual fruit in their lives. It's kind of like Jesus is their handbag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got this life Mm -hmm. and those are to me the hardest people. I agree. To share your faith with, because in some ways they're like, I'm already a Christian. I don't need this. So one of the things my girlfriends and I did, we just started what we called an outreach Bible study. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of women came in thinking, yeah, I'm a Christian, like but I they had this. never studied the Bible mm-hmm. before. And what I love watching is how the word did what I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. I was just going to talk about issues with them, like this, this or this or whatever, that what, where their life might not look like a Christian life, it probably wouldn't have gone very well. Mm-hmm. But as we studied the Bible together, And those conversations happened over what God said rather Mm -hmm. than what I was saying. It changed everything. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just amazing to watch the word really is living and active Mm -hmm. and it can transform minds Mm -hmm. in ways that my words can't. Yeah. 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 With my kids, I definitely like the kids at school. I call them my kids. Um, But with my kids at school, we do worldview. And so like every two weeks they have a worldview assignment where they have to talk about like race or gender or any number of topics. And they have to write a paper about it, give it to me and I read it. And it's so fascinating to kind of like see how they're thinking through things and how they're learning how to take every thought captive and Mm -hmm. learning how the gospel applies to everyday things. Mm -hmm. They're being forced to think about things 
that I think some adults don't think about. But in those papers, sometimes I'll see like, oh, that's 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 not great Mm -hmm. theology or like that's not very rational. And it would be easy, I think, to think they're good kids Mm -hmm. and they they do well and they want to they want to behave and they want to please me. Um, And so therefore, I don't really have any work to do with them. Um, but those papers and our conversations reveal that there are, like you said, just so many cultural aspects of Christianity that don't sink deep into the heart yeah. and don't create consistent, faithful people without discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've noticed just as I speak in just different regions in America, um, and even when I went to Sweden it was interesting because it was such a secular environment that they needed the gospel uh, preached to them. Not differently. It still needs to be Jesus died. Uh, God loves you. He paid the payment for sin. You need to repent and believe. But I think the way you navigate the conversation has to change uh, in secular environments or church environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in secular environments like Boston or Seattle or New York, um, Portland, those kinds of places, they're intrigued by the gospel um, very offended by the gospel, but they're they're willing to have the conversation because it's more intellectual. It's like mm-hmm. they want to just argue and debate, you know. And so I think there's a directness that I could preach the gospel with. But mm-hmm. I think in the South, there's a challenge to say just because you know what repentance is doesn't mean that you've actually repented. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that with Jesus, with the, um, the rich young ruler, how he's like, oh yeah, I kept all these laws my life. But for Jesus to, to directly say, why are you calling me good? Yeah. Only God is good. Like he knows I need to call out this man's self-righteousness mm-hmm. so they'll understand that he has not kept any of these laws. That's why he won't give up none of his stuff for me. You know, yeah. and so I think navigating the gospel, I think takes or navigating the way we have gospel conversations, I think takes some level of wisdom mm-hmm. uh, to know how to do it well. Yeah. yeah. And that's one thing Jesus did so well. Yeah. It's like he could meet each individual person and he would have these penetrating questions yeah. that he would ask that seemed to get to their heart. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you all, how do you think we can grow in doing a better job of that. You know, I think it's, yeah, I think of one thing I love doing is gardening. So I love, my husband laughs at me because I come in, I'm like, the tomatoes grew. And he's like, you planted them. That's what happens. The sun shines, the rain comes, but I'm always amazed by it. Mm. And the reality is I couldn't really make the tomato grow. Mm -hmm. You know, I planted the seeds. I was faithful in what I did, and I, but I can get better at it. Mm-hmm. I can read articles and mm-hmm. figure out, oh, if you do this, it makes things grow. But you know, in the end, we all would say it's God who brings people to himself. Yeah. But I think we can get better yeah. you know, at the ways we go about doing that. Have you all had any things that really changed or shifted you know, how you started sharing your faith in, in better ways? Having hard conversations a lot and messing up. You know, I think Mm -hmm. when I was a new Christian, I had a lot of zeal, but not a lot of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so I had I went into conversations thinking, oh, I know the gospel. This is going to be great. But then you have somebody that's smarter than you live longer than you. Uh, They don't have a spirit like you do, Mm -hmm. but they just they got a head up on how to uh, resist the truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it would leave me discouraged, but it actually pushed me back into my Bible. Um, But I think also what it challenged me to do is that I grew in love for people. Mm -hmm. And I think when you love people more, I think you navigate 
conversations differently Mm -hmm. um, because it's not just I want to convert you, but I'm loving you even in this moment. And so I want to be careful with you. I don't want to damage you. I don't just want to speak at you. I still want to empower you and dignify you as I preach the gospel. So I think those kinds of things have helped me a lot. I think I've grown in patience probably in seeing the different different ways that God can use different words. I remember the first Mm -hmm. time that I shared the gospel with somebody, I was 18, 19, and I was in the ice skating rink. And this, um, that's random, this very like out and proud (laughs) kid, he was like 16 and people were like pushing him around and calling him names. And I kind of went over to him and talked to him and we got into a conversation about Christianity because I was like, this is my chance. Like, this is my moment to share the gospel with him. And I just was so excited and mm. so just like zealous. And then at the end of the conversation, he wasn't like, well, thank you. Like now mm. I believe that Jesus is Lord and mm. I will turn away from my sin. Um, he was just like, you're really nice for a Christian. Like mm. that was a good conversation. And I was just like, but what about, <laughs> what about Jesus? What about our moment? <laughs> um, but it was the beginning of me kind of realizing again, like the recurring theme of it's not, it's a cumulative thing. Mm. I don't know where he is now and I don't know how God used my words, but I think seeing, sharing the gospel is cumulative and something that the entire church has a responsibility and part in, I think also helps me not to puff myself up with pride or think like, oh, my words can save people mm. or I should get the credit for this ice skating rink moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true that the patience thing, uh, you know, you do think about the, the analogies used in scripture about evangelism. It's, you know, catching fish. I'll mm. make you fishers of men mm-hmm. and sowing, look and see that the fields are white for harvest or whatever. Those are things that take a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, they don't, I mean, a lot of times the disciples were out fishing and they were catching nothing. Yeah. You know, my husband loves to fish and I always laugh because when that line jiggles, he is so happy mm. that there is a fish on the end of it. Mm. You know, and that's one thing I don't think we often talk about either mm-hmm. is just the joy of evangelism. Mm. Years ago, the Bible study that we had started, that outreach study, you know, the first year we led it, I think we had like five women and they were all Christians who came from my church. And so we were like, why are we even doing this? It's not effective. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things. But the patience that you were talking about, we just kept doing it. And then the second year, a couple of non-Christians came and then that increased until we had like 30 women Mm -hmm. in the living room. And one of the greatest things was to see this sweet friend of mine, Debbie, um, come to faith. And when she did, there was that joy. But if we hadn't have been patient, we would have missed the Mm -hmm. joy of her life just completely changed. Mm -hmm. And she... Just shined Jesus when she came to faith. It was interesting because at the same time she had breast cancer. And so she ended up dying about five years ago. Mm-hmm. But it was sometimes I think that whole Bible study yeah. was for her. Yeah. And but it was amazing. So as her body was failing, the spirit of Jesus in her just shown to wow. everyone. And it was like she was becoming more alive even as her body was failing. Mm. And I think that's sometimes what we miss with evangelism, getting yeah. to watch that. Um, there's no greater joy mm-hmm. than to watch people come to faith. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I was I was going to, I was thinking about when we were talking about impatience, how I, I think sometimes the impatience comes out of us solely. And this might 
might've been what you said, Jasmine, but solely thinking that your words are sufficient to convert, mm. you know? And so it's like, I haven't preached the gospel well enough. I haven't preached the gospel often enough. I have when it's like, no, the spirit is the one who converts. Right. He, your words are necessary. We have to preach the gospel. We need to preach the gospel, but I think we would be much more gracious to ourselves if we alleviated ourselves of the burden or the pressure to think that it's solely us who saves. Mm-hmm. That's just not in the Bible. So that but i do have a question with that um do you think that there is like a a recipe to gospel presentation what i mean is some people think all right for me to evangelize i need to talk about you know how in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and how adam and eve sinned against god and so you know fellowship with god was broken and then god he has sent his son his son was incarnate in the flesh born of a virgin and then he lived for 33 years without sin and then he got on the cross and then we got on the cross he took the sins of all the world on himself or god's elect depending on your theology and then uh (laughs) He went to the grave and then resurrected from the grave. And then he came back and told everybody he's about to send the spirit. And then if you repent and believe you receive a spirit and then you walk by. Like, do I have to share every single element of the gospel to be a real evangelist is my question. Did you mention Adam and Eve? Because if you didn't, then you failed. I I think I said (laughs) something about broken fellowship, Uh, but I didn't, I didn't mention the serpent and that's important. Then there you go. Because he had the crush. You didn't get creation, fall, redemption, restoration. I didn't mention the David. Yeah. Nothing. You're out. Wow. (laughs) As good as that was, it was not good. (laughs) No, I think that you like meet people at the point of, their need like where where are they in that moment um and looking for i want to say organic opportunities because first of all that sounds really lame but also like secondly i feel like we can say organic opportunity as a way to like a scapegoat yes yes as a way to like get out of sharing um but looking for opportunities to share and which whichever opportunity you're faced with i think you can start at a different part of the gospel story in whoever you're talking to, you can start a different part of a gospel story. Cause I mean, the kids in my school, they know all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they need to be reminded of repentance or maybe they need to be reminded of the fact that Jesus took all of their sins to the cross, or maybe they need to be reminded. And so there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of different um, starting points that we can grab and know that we can always get to the other, mm. to the other stuff. Yeah. One of my friends had a great way of saying it. She said, be who you are. Mm. You know, it's easy when you're going out to a Bible study, you know, and you see your neighbor and you just say, hey, I've got a meeting. Good to see you. Mm -hmm. Just like say, no, I'm going to Bible study. It's great. If you ever want to come along, Mm -hmm. come along. And sometimes I think we hide parts of ourselves. Mm. We're like, I don't know if I want them to know I'm a Christian. (laughs) Because then they may have a lot of thoughts about me. Yeah. They may be looking at my life. Mm -hmm. But just sometimes I think one of the small ways we evangelize is just by being who we are. True. And saying, yeah, I do go to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, these are the things like we pray and I'll pray for you. I mean, you know, when they're dealing with something hard, just to be a Christian in front of them can be a way that then I think later when life falls apart. Because everybody's life is going to fall apart at some some point. point. At some point, Mm -hmm. you're trustworthy to them. And they say, oh, I can go go talk to Jackie because I know she's a Christian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I can ask my weird question to her or whatever. And you because you've just been their friend, but yet you shared who you are with them. I think it's a safe place that they can say, hey, I don't get this Christianity thing. Yeah. 
you know, but it's tough because yeah. at some point I, I, I fear that I'm just the nice girl. Mm-hmm. And so when do I move from just being the nice, friendly neighbor to actually sharing my faith? Right. And I think that's a hard jump. Yeah. Sometimes. I think that's the work of the spirit too, though, just like give, trusting him to give us insight into when to jump into that presentation and how to jump in and what, you know, it would be amazing if you had time and opportunity to start at creation and then talk about fall and yeah. just like yeah. give the whole details, you know, situation. Um, but sometimes you just have time or opportunity to say that God had a plan from creation that involved saving a people for himself. I'd love to tell you about that. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Do you all have someone in your life who you just look at and you're amazed by the way they can just share the gospel so naturally with other people that you're like, mm-hmm. how is it that they seem to walk in a room and get into this deep conversation and they seem to be able to go there with people really easily? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any people like that in your life. Is there anything that they do that you look at and you're like, I need to learn from them. Yeah. My dad used to, every time we went out to eat, he would ask the waitress, he'd be like, we're about to pray um, for our food. Is there any way that we can pray for you? Mm. And so small, but meaningful. So little, but like we've had people, you know, cry because a lot of times waitresses, you know, they don't get treated super well. And so then for my dad to be like, Hey, can we pray for you? And then he would always leave a really good tip because he'd be like, I just want them to know, like, (laughs) this is not just about. Not a track. Yeah. I think a lot of times, Oh gosh. (laughs) Don't do that. <laughs> do not leave a track for your waitress. If you do put money inside of it, but it's not about puffing myself up. It's about like, can I really pray for you because I care about you? Um, and we had, we had really good conversations based on that. Mm. Um, and I was, I always feel very humbled when I think about that. Um, and I've never done it. I'm just, I'm super introverted. And so I don't even want to talk to the waitress. I just want to like <laughs> put my menu over and like point to what I want. But the fact that he pushed himself, cause my dad's also an introvert, but he pushed himself to say like, Hey, how can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. Um, was really meaningful growing up and a really big memory for me. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think my husband, as long as I've known him, even when we were friends, he just was the type of cat that would talk to strangers about Jesus. And that just isn't my judge. Like, I just, I can get on stage, talk about Jesus all day or one-on-one with somebody. But mm-hmm. just going up to somebody on the street is not my thing. And so I think his fearlessness when it comes to preaching the gospel is motivating, but also his uh, study of the scriptures um, because he, he he likes apologetics, so he'll study Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Black Hebrew Israelites. And so him equipping himself so that when the time comes for him to be able to speak into these different uh, religions, mm-hmm. I think motivates me to say, man, do, when it comes to my context, what are the false religions or idols in my context? And am I equipping myself in the room or in my study so that when I do have these conversations, I actually have something to bring to the table mm-hmm. um, that's contextual for that person? that I'm speaking to. And so that's really cool of him. That's so good. I'm glad you said that, that you feel intimidated to do that. You know, cause my husband does the same thing. Mm. He really learned how to do evangelism by in college, he would go up on the main strip of, you know, our college town mm-hmm. and he would just go up to people and share the gospel with them. 
you know, and just, I just don't get it. Yeah. Just have these one-on-one conversations. And, you know, it was that that drove him to find answers Mm. in a different Mm -hmm. way, you know, because he would get asked things that he didn't know how to answer. And so one thing I watched him do, and he can, he can answer people's questions better than anyone. I know I'll watch him and I'm amazed, Mm -hmm. but I realized he learned that through failing. Yep. Yeah. And then going back and studying Mm -hmm. and failing and then going back and studying until finally it becomes natural. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I'm so intimidated about the failure Mm. aspect of not having to answer that sometimes it just shuts me down rather than just being willing to be bold. Like maybe my kid's sick today and I'm in the doctor's office because I'm supposed to share my faith with mm. the other mom yeah. whose kid is here. But yeah. but I think it's something learned. And I also think we are different. Like, you know, all yeah. three of us have talked about how we're introverts. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes for me, it's maybe I can just post an article on Facebook. Yeah. And, you know, those people in my life may yeah. read it. And, and that may be how they're comfortable learning about mm-hmm. faith, too. So I do think there are ways we can scatter seeds, mm-hmm. so to speak, yeah. that aren't always as, you know, grab somebody by the hand and say, right. hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? about Jesus? But that there are, are ways we can be. I like that image of scattering seeds. Yeah. Cause there's, there's some people who may not be, you know, super bold when it comes to evangelism, but they're very hospitable. And yeah. so they may not go out and get folk, but when you sit at their table and they'll serve you food and take care of you in a way that shows you Jesus too. Yeah. And so I think just even paying attention to the way that God has made us, but also our spiritual giftings and just leaning into that. That reminds me of my husband. Yeah. I was thinking, cause he's not one to like stop somebody on the street and talk to them. Um, but this summer we had his cousin who's 16 come and stay with us. And um, he stayed with us for what, two, three months And my husband shared the gospel with him so much, like in, you know, obviously like verbally shared the gospel with him, but also showed him the Christian life and Christian walk, um, in a way that we couldn't have done if we wouldn't have had him with us in our, in our home for that extended amount of time. Um, and in a way that was really bold, because even though he was under our roof, I was still very like, oh my gosh, like you're talking to him really rough right now. He'd just be like, look, you need to repent and believe, like you need to. And I was just, I'm constantly afraid of offending people. Um, that is not really my husband's fear, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it was really good and, and a really good example for me. Opening your home though. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. So that's, that is where we're all part of a big body. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so everybody's yeah. playing a role in some ways, because you were in a sense setting the table so they could have those conversations mm-hmm. in, in some ways. So I think that's the beautiful thing that we can really trust that we may be part of a process, but the pro- the ultimate process is up to God. Mm-hmm. And so there's, we can rest and I'm just here to do my part um, and, and pray with all my heart. Cause that's, that's the thing we haven't even gotten to here. Mm-hmm. Prayers. Yeah. Yeah. The, the life, blood, air of evangelism. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So are there any takeaways that you guys think that people could apply to their everyday life? I think one thing we can do is ask one another, how'd you come to faith? Mm. Even with our fellow Christians. Mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of people in my own life that I've been friends with for a long time, but I wasn't there when they first became a Christian. And I've never asked how did the Lord save you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just, it, just to be encouraged and to hear one another's stories. I think that's something, you know, get some girlfriends together and sit around and say, how'd you come to faith? Yeah. 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 Which should be like a really natural 
I think one of the, the hardest parts about evangelism often for me is that I'm like, is that corny? Like, is that, does that normal? Do I talk like that? Like, does that have, <laughs> and you're just getting your mind about it. So that would be a really good way to make it a normal everyday conversation. I think a takeaway for me as I'm listening to you guys talk is definitely the prayer aspect of evangelism, because so often I think about evangelism as and it is. That's what it means. A proclamation beyond that proclamation, praying for God to give increase, praying for other people who are making the proclamation, praying that I would have opportunity to make a proclamation instead of just waiting for things to fall on my lap and then kind of forgetting about it hmm. after they do. Yeah, I, I think I would encourage people to just start small. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to go get, you know, a soapbox from Target um, <laughs> and, and get your John the Baptist on with honey and, and things. Uh, just if you have a small group, just sharing a gospel truth mm-hmm. about your day. This is how the gospel impacted my day. That mm-hmm. in turn, I think is a good practice in learning how to share the gospel um, in a variety of different ways with different people. Um, with that, Let's talk about some favorite things. Are you ready, ladies? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so what is your favorite app on your phone? And do not say the Bible. That does not count. You are saved, sanctified, and delivered. We already know you like the Bible. <laughs> the podcast app, so you can listen to this. No. Okay. Um, my favorite app right now is my fitness pal. Uh, which feels a little lame to say, but it helps me be more thoughtful about what I'm eating and drinking and taking care of my body. That's trying good. to drink a gallon of water a day. So okay. logging that is helpful. Shout out to you. I'm trying. That's helpful. I always like seeing, I like it when they track how many steps I've taken. I feel like I've actually done oh, something. I love that. You know, feel like you've accomplished something. Yes. Today. My favorite is Marco Polo. Do either of you have Marco oh, Polo? I love Marco Polo. Is that the like thing where people... It's like a Snapchat kind yeah, of situation. It's the introvert's FaceTime. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Christy and your Buile, I said it right, mm-hmm. right? Look at you. Um, she introduced me to it, but it's been so great because my daughter went to college this year. And so she'll be walking along on campus and she's videoing herself talking to me about her life. And then I can read it or I can listen to it when I have time mm-hmm. and I can send her back one. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I know more about what's going on in my daughter's life than I did when she lived at home. Interesting. Because she just talks and, and yeah, you can get it when you get it. It's mm-hmm. like a text. It's like a video text. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so it's great. I love it. I think my fave is Yelp. Um, I'm probably on Yelp every day just because I want to know primarily for food. What <laughs> is around me that is good. Mm-hmm. And my husband knows if we go out to eat, I'm going to spend minimum an hour on Yelp. That's just me. I just, I don't like wasting my money and wasting my time. So I'd rather waste my time to make sure and ensure that we have a really great restaurant Mm -hmm. rather than getting there and being mad in the spirit. I want to go eat with you. You should. Yeah. Yeah. We only have like a few restaurants in Jackson. So I'm like, yeah. Sorry. Do y'all have Chick-fil-A? We do. Okay. They're all good restaurants, but I mean, you know, I wouldn't, Yelp wouldn't really help me. So just be like, I already, I already went. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. All right. Thanks for listening to our first episode of Let's Talk. Uh, Please come back next week to hear us talk about battling discontentment. You can subscribe to Let's Talk through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Check out other shows from the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network at tgc.org slash podcast. The Gospel Coalition connects Christians to resources that apply the truth and beauty of the gospel to all of life.